Come on. I said, come on. Yes. Man, are you guys, I mean, I've already been having fun, but are you guys ready to have some fun? Man, turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, if you've got your Bible with you. Um, we are about to have a conversation that Satan hates, which is fun if you ask me. All right, listen, hey, here's what we're doing today, church family. We are going to pull back the veil on his seedy and deceitful tactics that he uses and is using to try to stop us from fulfilling the vision and the dreams that God has for each one of our lives. Okay, we're going to do that as we have a very grace-filled and very honest conversation uh, about what's really going on in the world, the things that are happening right now. So th we are continuing our Vision Sundays series. This is week number four. We're all about the vision. Listen, because I've been telling you for weeks now that God has a vision or he has a dream for your life and that you can fulfill it, okay? And so I want you just to think about that with me for a second. Just follow me. God, in his great love and grace and wisdom, has chosen to accomplish his will for the earth through his people here on the earth. You with me? Listen, when we give our lives to Jesus and commit to live like him, then God delegates his authority here on the earth. He delegates his power through the Holy Spirit into the church so that the church can take part in the fulfillment of God's dreams for the earth. Okay, which, by the way, is the most fulfilling life you and I could ever live. It is the dream life with God. Okay, but so listen, what is God's dream? What's his dream for the earth? What's his dream for all the people? Well, we know this. In 2 Peter 3, 9, it says that his will, or you could say his dream, his desires, his will is that no one would perish, but that all would repent and turn to him. I mean, Jesus himself even said in John 3, 16, you know this one, that, that God loves the world so much that he sent Jesus. He sent his one and only son, that whoever believes in him might not, here's that word again, perish, but have eternal life. And I will remind you of one of our key verses in this series. It's been Proverbs 29, 18, which says, where there is no vision, the people perish. Where there is no prophetic revelation from God, where people refuse or just simply don't understand God's will and what he wants for their lives, what he wants for everyone's lives, where we refuse or don't understand that, people perish. Okay, so listen to me. God dreams of no one perishing. Amen? That's his, his dream is that everyone on the planet would receive salvation through his son, Jesus. In fact, in Revelation 21, we get this glorious glimpse of the future where his dream is fully fulfilled. It says that one day God is going to remake the earth where then everyone who's ever given their life to Jesus will get to live on that new earth in the literal presence of God in a redeemed, perfected, sin-free life. Live as his kids forever with him. Literally, literally, it will be heaven on earth. No more death, no more pain, 
No more sadness. No more deceit. No more wars. No more fear. No more frustration. No more Facebook. No more disease. No more COVID. And I know I keep reminding you of this one, but no more baldness. <laughs> we also have, an, have it on really good authority that carbs and sugar behave like protein in heaven on earth. Kale is going to get burned up in the lake of fire so that no one ever has to be forced to eat that garbage ever again. I'm pretty sure that Revelation chapter 22 says that mashed potatoes and gravy are the real superfood in heaven. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it says that. Okay, the point is, you know this, it's going to be good, right? It's going to be good. Okay, but again, here's what's important. God's desire, his choice, he has chosen to fulfill his dreams for the earth through his people here on the earth. You with me? And so here's what we call that. Here's what the Bible calls it. It's the great, think about it, co-mission, where we join Jesus on his mission to make more disciples, to make disciples of all nations so that no one will perish. Around here, we call it the disciple life or the life of impact and significance. And in fact, Gathering Family, I hope you see that the vision that God has given us here at the gathering is our unique part that we play in his greater vision or dream for the entire earth. Okay, we, we around here, we call it this. We, we say that we want to see our region reborn. Every community renewed by Jesus. In short, we want to lead, we want to lead every person. We dream of leading every person in our region to relationship with Jesus where, where then they'll get to live in the dreams and the life that he has for them as well. All right, but um, here's a wake-up call, in case you didn't know. Satan also has a vision or dream for the entire earth and everyone in it, which means he also has a dream for your life. Okay, and so just follow me. In John 10.10, Jesus says that Satan only comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Which means this, his dream for your life is to rob you of every good and godly thing. His dream for your life is to ultimately destroy your life. His dream for your life is for you to ultimately be killed and live in forever separation from God. That's what he dreams of, but it gets worse. His plan is to actually have you be a willing participant in your own self-destruction and the destruction of others as well. Okay, you have to see this, family. You have to understand, everything that Satan does is a counterfeit of what God the Father does. You with me? So watch this. Just like God has chosen to work through people to see his dreams for the earth fulfilled, Satan has also chosen to work through people to see his dreams for the earth fulfilled. Okay, which means this. You and I can either choose to, or we could be deceived into participating with Satan to see his dreams come true rather than God's. 
And so listen to me very carefully, gathering family. Um, and I don't think I'm exaggerating right now. Satan and his network of demons are working overtime right now to try to stop you and me from allowing God to fulfill his dreams through us. Am I right? And so, um, y'all ready to start getting into the nitty gritty of what's really going on? You ready to start understanding, figuring out how he's doing this? Listen, let, let's start with that question right there. How is he doing this? How, how is he working overtime right now? Okay, well, I, I believe there's two layers to what he's doing right now. Um, and here's the first layer, okay? Satan is working overtime right now to convince you and me that our neighbor is our real enemy rather than Satan himself. I'm going to say that one more time. Satan is working overtime right now to convince you and me that our neighbor is our real enemy rather than Satan himself. He's working overtime to convince you and me that, um, that your friends, uh, your coworkers, your boss, maybe your literal neighbors, um, other people on the other side of the political aisle, other families, school board members, uh, maybe even your brothers and sisters at your own church, or even your own pastors. Listen to me, he's working overtime right now to deceive us into thinking that, that they're the real enemy rather than Satan himself. Okay, but how's he doing that? How's that working? Okay, well, here's the second layer. Are you guys ready to pull back the veil on his, on his evil tactics? Come on, here's what he's doing. Here's how he convinces, other, convinces us that other people are our real enemy rather than Satan himself. He stirs up division. You guys are, man, are you guys with me today? He stirs up division. Now, culture has always had its own divisions, yes? But I think we can all agree those divisions are only getting worse. Right? But here's where it really hits home for you and me. Satan is working overtime to stir up division and therefore divisiveness within the church. Because here's why Satan knows that if he can divide the church, then the church will become ineffective at fulfilling God's dreams. Okay, that's on a church-wide scale, but he also, or especially works on an individual level because he knows if that, that if he can get you and me to become divisive people, then not only is God's work hindered in our lives, but, and I know this is going to be strong, okay, but Satan knows that our divisiveness actually helps his cause, even when we don't realize that that's what we're doing. So, um, can we just, can we have some real talk? Newsflash, we are living in a period of time with tremendous and ever-increasing division and chaos. Amen? 
And so, Mr. and Mrs. Jesus follower, you and I must be on guard because Satan knows that if he can get you and me or any of us to be divisive, then he can rob us of the godly power that God wants to delegate to us and he can eliminate our ability to be effective in fulfilling God's dreams. You got your Bibles open to Ephesians 4? We're going to look at it in just a second, but here's what's fascinating, okay? Um, when you start to read Ephesians 4, it becomes so clear that this is what Satan is doing right now. Okay, now, the book of Ephesians is a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to a church in the city of Ephesus a long time ago. And in fact, um, the Apostle Paul, through the Holy Spirit, he wrote a bunch of letters to a bunch of different churches. And, and so here's what we're about to see. What we're about to read is something that Paul he says over and over throughout all of his letters, which tells me this, that what we're about to read is God's dream, or it's his desire. Really, you could say this, it's his will for the church. Okay, but it gets even better than that. Listen, if we're talking about Satan's tactics, we're about to see God's tactics. Okay, you guys want, you guys want to see God's tactics for how we live the vision-fulfilling life? It's right here, okay? But actually, just think about this, okay? Um, if we're about to see God's tactics for living the vision-fulfilling life, and if everything that Satan does is a counterfeit of what God does, then would you agree with me that pretty much everything Satan's going to do is going to be the exact opposite of what God does, right? Okay, so before we even read it, let me just ask. Um, if one of Satan's most effective tactics that he uses against us to keep us from fulfilling God's dream, if one of those most effective tactics is divisiveness or division, then what do you think God's tactic is for you and me living the vision-fulfilling life? Come on, hear a few people. Say aloud. Unity. Unity. Come on, listen to me. Unity in Jesus and the life he calls us to, even when we disagree or have different convictions about things that are going on in culture, unity in the church centered on Jesus is God's unstoppable tactic for you and me living the God dream, the vision fulfilling life. Okay, you ready to see this in your Bible? Ephesians 4, we're going to pick it up in verse 1. Paul writes, just watch how this starts. He says, therefore I... This is Paul. Watch. A prisoner for serving the Lord. We'll talk about that in a little bit, okay? But therefore I, Paul, listen, I, I beg you. Church family, I plead with you. I plead with you. I beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling for you have been called by God. I've been saying this for months now. The call of God is on your life. God has a dream for your life and you can fulfill it. But it's going to be awfully hard to do that if you don't live a life worthy of your calling. Okay, but good news. Paul's about to show us how we can do that. You guys ready? Come on, you ready to see God's unstoppable tactics for living the vision, fulfilling life? Check this out. Watch. Come on. Here we go. Verse 2. Here's how. Always. 
says, be humble and gentle. Is that not the exact opposite of what's happening in the world today? Listen, don't, hey, don't let this just be something, okay, that is like, this is floating out there. Listen, this needs to get in here. This is what you and I are to do. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other. That's insane. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Love for who? Man, first off, love for Jesus because he loves us. Second, love for everyone around you because he loves them too. And you and I are called to live like him. Okay, but now watch verse 3 because he's really just going to sum up what he just instructed us to do. Family, here's the ultimate tactic for living the overcoming, vision-fulfilling life. He says, verse 3, make how many efforts? Every effort to keep yourselves, what? <sighs> to keep yourselves united in the who? In the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, binding yourselves. <laughs> binding yourselves together with peace. For there is one body, not two bodies, not ten bodies. There's one body of Christ. I know there's lots of different churches that gather in different places, okay? But there, there's one body. One body and one spirit, just as you have been called to. Watch this. Here's God's dream. Watch what it says. Just as you have been called to one glorious hope for the future, a.k.a. heaven on earth. I said this in week one of this series, but there's only one vision. It's God's vision. The rest is delusion. Come on. And so listen to me. Okay, am I the only one, or can we all see together just how important it is for us to live in unity, church, if we're going to play any part at all in seeing the fulfillment of God's glorious hope for the future? Come on, so then, listen, can you also see that if we succumb to divisiveness, that we will greatly hinder God's ability to work in and through us, and we might even find ourselves unwittingly being deceived into helping Satan's cause instead. We doing okay? okay? Now, just in just one moment, we're going to dive deeper into the real world stuff that Satan's using to divide us right now. But, but real quick, if you have been with us over the past few weeks, um, I've been talking about just the enormity of the vision that God has given us to see our region reborn. And last week, I even shared that, um, just to, honestly, that and I'm a little overwhelmed. And, and, I, and I shared that I prayed, Lord, this is huge. Like, I don't even know what the first step to take is. Okay, here's what the Lord has been saying to me lately. Watch this. He's been saying, Brandon, the first step is unity. The first step is unity. In fact, listen, family, um, I know we're well into this thing, but if I had a title for the message today, it would be just that. The first step is unity. That's the first step, family. If, we, if we're not united, we won't accomplish, accomplish anything. 
Okay, however, a church that's united in Jesus in the pursuit of his vision, a church that is humble and gentle toward each other and makes allowances for each other's faults because, because we're willing just to care for one another, walk beside each other. Listen, here, here's what making allowance for each other's faults is. We call that giving grace and forgiveness. Okay, so listen, a, a church that walks in grace and forgiveness for each other and for everyone around us, a church that's united in the spirit of God and therefore living spirit-filled lives together as they remain united around Jesus and the one glorious hope that he has given us for the future. Around here, we call that one glorious hope. We, we call it region reborn. Okay, but when we stand together and play our part in the church with the whole church around the world, we call that world reborn. Okay, but listen, when the church is united like that, then that's a church that God himself can move through. And family, that's when the power of God gets put on display for the whole world to see through God's church. And that's when the church accomplishes his dreams here on the earth. Yeah. <sighs> Amen. And so, okay, listen. Unity is God's tactic for you and me living the overcoming, vision-fulfilling life, okay? But so one more time, what's Satan's? What's his tactic to stop us? Division. And so here's what I want to do. I just want to get real practical. Um, I don't want to just use terms like ever-increasing division and chaos, but then leave it ambiguous, okay? So... You guys ready to talk about what's really going on? <laughs> and let's do this. Everybody just breathe. <sighs> it's going to be okay. Okay, I promise. All right. Let's talk about the things that we're being tempted to be divided over. Okay, first off, and, and look, no surprise. Okay, but first off, here we go. COVID. Masks. All right, but you know I'm not done yet. I'm about to do it, church. I'm going to do it. Oh, boy, I'm about to say the V word. The vaccine. Stay in your seats. It's going to be okay, I promise. Look, we all already know that not only is our nation, but the world is divided as to whether or not you or I should take this vaccine. Amen? Most people, listen, and so as it goes on, here's what's happening. Most people are now falling into one of two groups more and more all the time. Um, one group says, is, and I'm, I'm not saying everybody says this, but the one group is saying this more and more, you must take this vaccine. The other group is, mm -mm. no, no, I really, really don't want to take this vaccine. Amen. Now, before we go any further, though, let me just dispel something. Um, some of us have already been told by others that the church should not talk about things like this. Okay? Um, here's the only problem with that. If you've already been saved by Jesus, then you're the church, and I guarantee you're talking about these things. The conversation's already in the church. Amen? You're already talking about these things with your spouse, um, you're already talking about these things with your coworkers. 
Your boss or your company is already talking to you about these things. I've already seen many of you post about these things on social media. The media is absolutely talking to all of us about these things. Amen? The, church, the, the conversation is already in the church. And besides, listen, I just, as for me, I can't stand by as divisiveness continues to grow with the call that God has on my life to shepherd. I can't sit by and let Satan and the world give advice on how we're to walk through all these things. No, listen, we need prophetic revelation from God on how you and I are to live and behave and follow Jesus, his ways, his tactics, in an ever-increasing divided world. Amen? All right, plus, um, I've now had a bunch of families and individuals here ask me, like, well, how do you feel about this vaccine, Pastor? Or um, what does church leadership say? How do they feel? What's their stance on this? What, what advice would you give? Okay? Um, and and um, I've already been told by a few of you that your jobs that are starting to talk about whether this is going to be mandated, and if you don't comply, what that, what's that going to do with your job? Okay, so we have to talk about these things, all right? And, and I'm going to talk about those things in just a moment, um, but here's where I want to start. Um, listen, I believe there is a more pressing matter than just that. Okay, family, please hear me. It's not as simple as just what I believe about the vaccine or what you believe about the vaccine. There is a more pressing matter going on here. There's something more concerning than that that's happening. Okay, family, here's how cunning the real enemy is. He's working overtime right now to deceive all of us into viewing other people through the lens of the vaccine. Come on, which is divisive. Think about it. Listen, you're either, you're either vaccinated or you're unvaccinated. Everybody in this room falls into one of those groups. Is that right? And the longer this goes on, the more we're being told to view each other in those two categories. And then here's the temptation with that. As we get told more and more, you're, you're either one of these. The temptation then becomes that when, you, when you're in your group, well, then these other people that are in my group with me, oh, these, these are my neighbors. Oh, these are the good guys. Oh, these are the ones that are with me. These are the ones that have my back. They're, think about this. They're on my side. Are you seeing this? Come on, for example, just take masks. <laughs> I never thought we'd ever do messages like these. I mean, come on. But take masks. And just think about it. When you roll through Walmart, if you prefer to wear a mask and you see other people wearing masks, I'm not saying you, you do this outright, but the, but the temptation for all of us, the temptation is to look at other people doing the same thing as you and, and be like, these people get it. These people are with me. If you prefer to roll through Walmart without a mask, the temptation can be when you see another dude not wearing a mask, you're like, this guy gets it. He's with me. You know it's true. Okay, which means, follow me, here's the temptation. I'm not saying it's gone this far with this church family yet, but here's the temptation. We're then tempted to begin to think that the other group 
is now our enemy. Now again, listen to me, because I know, I know this church family. Most of us would say, man, I haven't taken it that far. Praise God and don't do that because they're not your enemy. Amen? However, you can't tell me that that's not how the world is behaving more and more. And so look, not just with the vaccine, but labeling people has been happening since sin entered the world thousands and thousands of years ago, but it's insanely popular and divisive right now in terms of what we call identity politics. I mean, think about it. Labels. You're either a conservative or you're a liberal. That's who you are. You're either a man or a woman. You're either, and by the way, I'm not going to get, um, you, you are one of those. I love you. I love you. I'm not, I'm not trying to be offensive. I'm not. You're either black or white. You need to, you got to view yourself through that lens. Absolutely. Don't deviate from that. And, and apparently, I'm, I'm just saying, if you're white, apparently now you're automatically a white supremacist. Stuff is getting ridiculous. You're either MAGA or you're a leftist. Well, you're Republican or you're Democrat. You're either pro-vaccine or you're an anti-vaxxer. That's who you are. Okay, and so again, all these things are prominent, but what's happening, the, the, the vaccine, the label, is becoming the dominant thing right now. Okay, and so you can't tell me that culture and media and social media aren't pressuring you and me more and more all the time and tempting us to feel increased animosity towards the other group that we're not in. Amen? And I'm telling you, listen, the enemy is working overtime to convince you and me that our neighbor is the real enemy rather than Satan himself. And so, listen, please hear this. I love you all so much. I don't care which group you're in. It doesn't change my feelings about you and what I want for you. I like you all. I'll hang out with all of you. I'm not even saying today that you can't have strong opinions about the group that you're in. Okay, but listen, here's my burden for all of us who say we follow Jesus. You and I must guard our hearts against the enemy's tactics. We cannot let division begin to creep into, into the church through you and me. And we cannot let divisiveness begin to seep into the world. The very people we're supposed to lead to Jesus, we can't let it seep into the world through you and me either. Okay, Jesus himself says in John 13, 35, watch, he says, by this, everyone, meaning the world, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Okay, so with grace, here's what I want to do, okay? Um, I just I want to help all of us become aware of how these tactics unfold in our lives so that we don't succumb to them. You good with that? Amen? So listen, while I'm believing that none of us here have made the conclusion yet that the other group is our enemy, we're not that far, right? Okay, he, here's how Satan starts the process, though, of trying to convince us that the other group is our enemy. Watch this. 
he starts by convincing us ever so slowly, bit by bit, that you and I should lose compassion for the other group. Bit by bit, ever so slowly, he starts convincing us that this other group who doesn't agree with you, well, they're not really, watch this, they're not really worthy of your mercy and your grace. And watch, if they're not really worthy of your compassion and your mercy and your grace, then here's what just happened. You just began to devalue them. He starts to, ever so slowly, get you to value the other group less. And when they're less valuable, then it's easier not to love them as much. And when you stop loving them as much, or when you decide it's okay for me not to love them, listen, that's when it becomes easy for them to become your enemy. Are you seeing this? Now listen, that doesn't mean that you'll automatically become hostile towards them as an enemy. However, hostility usually starts like this. Yes, like pride and arrogance within us towards the other ones, which then just begins to manifest in, in things like belittling comments. Behind their backs at first, but then it starts to seep out into groups in public belittling comments, divisive and forceful social media posts, bullying, isolation of the other people, increased anger, and eventually hate. And it only gets worse from there. Okay, it starts with a lack of compassion, but if it's allowed to continue long enough, if the pressure keeps up, Man, it gets worse. Eventually, over, the, over time, you're, you're, you're tempted to thinking that they're your enemy. Now, the world behaves this way all the time. Amen? But can I tell you something? Here's why it's so dangerous for the church and therefore for all of us as Jesus followers because we, we only have to let it get to the point where, man, we're just going to lose a little bit of compassion for this group or that group or that person over there. The instant we lose a little bit of compassion for somebody else, that's the moment that we do begin to value them less, we begin to love them less, and that's the moment that, we'll, well, I don't want to really be around them anymore. I don't really want to invite that person to church. Uh, I don't need to pray for them anymore. And when we stop, when, we, when, when, when love and value ceases, when compassion ceases, and we don't need to pray for them anymore, we don't need to be around them anymore, then there's no need really for us to bring them the gospel anymore. And I'm telling you, all it took was a little bit of a lack of compassion in us for God's work in and through us to be hindered. For us to become less effective, if not completely ineffective, in fulfilling God's dreams, and actually, we just took part in, in, in going along with Satan's cause. And that's when visions like region reborn begin to die. I keep asking it, but are you seeing this? You with me? Okay, so I'm warning you gathering family, and I'm warning myself, 
you and I have to guard our hearts against the enemy's tactics. Okay, we, we cannot be deceived into viewing any person through the lens of a label that society gives them. Otherwise, we run the risk of being convinced that they are our enemy. Okay, but let's say they really are our enemy. Well, what does Jesus say about that? Come on, Matthew 5, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. People are not labels. People are not their sin. People are not what they believe about certain issues. No, people are made in the image of God with the intent that God had that they would become his kids and live in heaven on earth with him forevermore. Okay, and, and listen, the God who gave grace and compassion and mercy to you and me, to people like us, he doesn't want a single other person to perish, and he's called you and me as his people to do something about it. Think about this. You and I could not be saved if Jesus didn't have compassion on us. We've been saved by grace, even though the Bible says that we were his enemies. In sin, living in sin and hostility or opposition to God. But Jesus didn't refuse compassion. He didn't, re he didn't treat us with hostility. He loved us so much. He died for our sins. So that God's dreams for our lives could come true. And then think about this. Um, the Bible says that God's mercies are new every morning. Thank God! I'll speak for myself. If he decided to wake up one day and not have new mercies, I'm doomed. All of us are doomed. I mean, family, if we can be real, he would be absolutely justified in deciding one morning that he's done giving us mercy. He could, if he wanted to, he could be like, you dirty sinners. I keep helping you. I gave you a million chances and you keep doing it. You refuse to listen. He could say, I'm done with you. And he could choose to divide himself from us. That's not who our God is. You look, look at me. He loves you no matter what. He's got a dream for your life. And it never even crossed his mind that the fact that you and I have been his enemy, he never thought, I'm going to allow that to keep me from giving them the dream life. Come on, can, can we just thank the Lord for his mercy? Thank you, Jesus. I probably should have had more jokes in this message. You guys doing okay?
trying to think of a joke. I don't have one. A priest, a rabbi, and a nun walked into a bar. <laughs> That's all I got. I don't know how the rest of it goes. All right. Um, some of you want to know, uh, what's our stance on all of this? Okay, what's, how's the church feel? How does church leadership feel about the vaccine? Um, I would say all the things going on that could divide us. But listen, the vaccine, et cetera. Listen, what's our stance? Um, here it is. Unity in Jesus above everything else. Here's our stance. Humility and gentleness. Making room and allowances for each other's faults because of our great love. Listen, I know that both groups are absolutely convinced right now that their way is right and that the other, should see, the other group should see things the way that they see them, okay? But as for the church, we cannot let our beliefs, and I'm not saying you can't have strong beliefs about it, but we cannot let our beliefs about things like this vaccine divide us and break our unity in Jesus. Amen? Okay. So now, listen, with nothing but grace from me, and I'm asking, please give me grace as well. Um, I'm going to share my own personal feelings and decision choices so far that I've made with the vaccine. And the point is not to convince you that I'm right and you're wrong. I could be wrong. Okay? So my, the only reason I'm doing this is, is I hope by the grace of God, if I'll just be honest with you all, isn't it, I don't know how to say this. It's like coming out, like talking about what your status is on the vaccine. That's crazy, right? It's ridiculous, isn't it? Yeah. But the only reason I'm doing this is to, to I mean, hopefully, I mean, if, if I'll just be honest, if we'll just be honest, maybe we can figure out how we can just walk this thing out together humbly. Amen? So listen, I am, um, this is my opinion. I'm not trying to convince you that you need to have the same opinion as me. I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm not even saying that all of the elders here at the church share the same opinion that I have. Um, there are some different views, but we don't let it break our unity. Amen? Okay, so, and so listen, hey, I, I don't think you would do this, but um, I'm going to share my opinion and my choice. Um, if, you, if, uh, if, you, if you're like in my group or my group, um, or if you agree, don't applaud. Normally I tell you to get fired up. You just keep your mouth shut. Because <laughs> we're going to be really generous and kind to everybody in the room. And if you disagree with me, don't boo or get up and walk out. Okay? You guys ready? I have not taken the vaccine. I have no plans to take the vaccine. And I do not want to be forced to. Okay? Um, does this mean that I'm not listening to science and medicine. Okay, here's where I'm asking for grace. I realize that many would say, Brandon, you're not listening to science or medicine. Okay, maybe not. Um, I will say this, I'm, I'm not the smartest man in this room by a long shot. But I'm also not dumb. And I don't think anybody else who's made a choice in here is dumb. You with me? 
I have been listening to both sides of this since the whole thing began. And for me, at this point, I do not want to take it. Okay, now, am I saying that there are no benefits to taking it? I'm not saying that. Am I saying, am I one of those guys that just thinks there could be a chance that there could be some negative side effects, maybe now, but maybe even in the future? Um, yeah, I wonder about that. I just wonder, okay? Maybe there could be. However, I know that there's plenty of people here in the room who have taken it and you've not had any side effects, and I'm so happy for you. I love it. Honestly, I'm, I'm, I don't want anybody to have any side effects. Okay, so I'm thrilled, all right? I'm happy for you. I, I like you. All right? But now, please hear this as well, because I've, I've been hearing this, this assumption made about believers who have not taken it yet. Um, my decision so far to not take the vaccine is not in any way a faith issue where I feel like I'm going to be disobeying Jesus if I do take it. It's not that, okay? I've heard some people assume that that's how some Christians believe. It's not that at all. For me, what I've been keeping my eye on, just like you have been keeping your eye on all the studies and all the research. For me, I've been keeping my eye on studies that simply say that for my age group, um, the chances of me surviving COVID is highly likely, like 100% almost, okay? And that, and as it's becoming more and more well-known that natural immunity then is stronger than immunity from the vaccine, okay? And, and look, I know, I know that the argument is, well, in the meantime, though, Pastor Brandon, you could spread it to others. Well, again, it's becoming more and more well-known that even if you have the vaccine, you can still get infected and still spread it to others, okay? So, it, it's looking like we're all in the same boat, which is why the reason they're talking about booster shots now. Okay, now, I also know that sometimes right now the popular reaction can be, but Pastor Brandon, that's misinformation that you're giving, and those are just conspiracy theories, and you don't know what you're talking about because I read this and I read that. Okay, again, I realize you read this and you read that just like I read this and I read that. Um, I will say the things that I've just cited, the information that I've just given, um, came from the top epidemiologists at Harvard University, and then Oxford University has just been releasing more research talking about how um, Israel, if you guys have been paying attention to this, many of you have, how the nation of Israel is the, most, the highest vaccinated nation on earth, and they, right, as of right now, have the highest COVID count as well. Um, in, in Israel's own doctors are saying that 85 to 90 percent of those who are being hospitalized have already received the vaccine. Okay, so... Um, Am I spreading misinformation? I hope not. Maybe. I, I will say, last I checked, Harvard and Oxford typically aren't known for dabbling in cons conspiracy theories. Amen? Okay. But even with that said, I'm 100% willing to admit, I could be wrong. And I'm not giving you medical advice right now. Okay? Which, this is my bigger point though, okay? Um, no matter which group you're in, both of the groups, we can both say, yeah, but I read this, and yeah, but I read this. No, but I saw this. No, but I saw this. That is exactly my point, which is why humility and gentleness is required, which is why we need to make room for allowance of each other's faults. 
maybe I'm at fault right now. Okay, I don't know. Maybe, maybe the other groups have fallen. I don't know. Maybe we're, listen, here's, here's my point. There's so much contrasting information going on right now that I'm asking us, church family, could we not all be humble enough before Jesus to admit that there's a good chance that neither group has all of the information yet? So, What's our stance? Freedom for you to follow your convictions about the vaccine. And humility and gentleness and unity with other people in the family or other people God wants you to influence who disagree with you about the vaccine or any of the other issues. Okay. Our stance is unity with the church above every other matter, no matter what. Amen? So, listen, okay. I have had several of you ask, um, how do you feel about using a religious exemption if, if you're not wanting to get it? I will say this. I'm not opposed to religious exemptions. However, you need to make sure that this really is something you have biblical convictions about in your walk with Jesus if you're going to use a religious exemption. Otherwise, if you're just using it to try to get away from doing something that somebody's telling you to do, the world can see right through that. And it makes you and me as Christians look really slimy. Does that make sense? Okay, now I'll end with this. Um, and I'm going to invite Laura and the band to make their way out here. Um, no matter what you believe about the vaccine, um, just watch right here. No matter what you believe about the vaccine, I'm going to be real. I do not think that the division and the chaos that we're seeing here in our nation is going away anytime soon. I hate to say that, but if you study history at all, and I'm no expert, but the little bit I've been looking at, um, typically nations do not recover when they go this far down the path of division that we are currently on. I'm really believing that the only hope our nation has right now is revival through a miraculous outpouring of the Holy Spirit, coupled with a tremendous amount of repentance on our part. We are, in a, we are on a dark and unsustainable path. Okay, now, does that mean that I don't believe in the vision or the dream of seeing our region reborn? Nope, I know it can happen. Our first step is unity, and then it becomes unstoppable. However, I am beginning to wonder if it won't happen in the midst of tremendous darkness and persecution against the church. Okay, family, um, your neighbor is not your enemy. 
Satan is your enemy. And so you need to know his real play behind all of the division in our nation, listen, or in the world, his real play is ultimately to divide and attack the church so that he can prevent the church from, from fulfilling God's dreams. That's the real place. So listen, here's the truth. No matter what you believe about the vaccine or about any other issue that's been politicized, whether you're a Republican or a Democrat or black or white or, or, or how you feel about any of the issues today, listen, friends, I guarantee that if you cling to faith in Jesus over any of the other beliefs you have about any of these other issues, if Jesus is still first, then the world, many of them are still going to hate you. Even if you agree with them to a T on these other politicized issues, if Jesus is still number one in your life, you're going to get canceled. That day's coming. Okay, but good news, you'll be in good company because they already canceled Jesus. Think about this. They put him on the cross 2,000 years ago. They canceled Jesus. Here, here's the really good news, though. Cancel culture can't stop Jesus and his followers. Three days later, he stuck his head out of the grave and said, Pinky Boo. And he went on to flip the world upside down. Jesus and his followers cannot be stopped. But I'm telling you, listen, there likely could be hard days ahead for the church. I pray there's not. I mean, I hope we can still gather together five years from now and be like, Brandon, that was the craziest message I've ever heard. I hope so. But right now, with the trajectory, the path that we're on, listen, there's a chance. Some of us may lose our jobs for our convictions. Some of us may lose our health care providers for our convictions. Some of our kids may not have access to public school because of our convictions. Society is going to try to push the church to the side because of our love for Jesus. Some of us may go to jail or worse. But think about this. Even if things like that do happen, listen, the church who remains united in Jesus in the pursuit of the vision that he has given us, that church cannot be stopped. The darkness has to flee. There may be great opposition in the days ahead, but nonetheless, the power of God that moves through the church that is united will lead many to revival. Because listen, when people live in continued darkness and brokenness and, and wokeness, man, it wears them out. It's death. But if even, if even they can look over to the corner of society and see a bright light, see a group of people who love each other no matter what, who are living the dream life that God has given them, no matter what they face. Man, people are going to look at that and say, I need that. Their soul's going to crave it because it's the life they were created for too. Family, think about this. Paul wrote the book of Ephesians while he was in prison. He wrote several letters to the church while he was in prison. They put him in prison to stop him from spreading the gospel. And yet his letters that he wrote from prison not only went on to spread the gospel to the churches back then, but they've been spreading the gospel to the world for the last 2,000 years. Whoever the guard was that was put in charge of Paul was really dumb for giving him paper and ink and one of those giant feather pins. 
If you don't want to spread the gospel, take away that feather pin. <laughs> but I'm telling you, listen, when the church operates in unity in Jesus, even in dark and hard times, the power of God gets put on display for the whole entire world to see. And even the darkest darkness has no chance of stopping God's people from fulfilling his dreams. I want you to bow your heads and close.